0: Welcome to the Football Game Plan Radio Network, where football makes sense. Uh, I'm Chris James, an analyst over here at Football Game Plan. And this is the inaugural episode of this week's Football Replay with CJ. You know, it's a show that I've been trying to get off the ground, had some tech issues, a few things get in the way. But more than any of the shows you've heard in the past, this is going to bounce around all of football. Things that interest me and hopefully interest you as well. You know, in the past, I did a draft analysis show. I focused just on draft eligible players, guys who are newly into the NFL or CFL. Uh, I also do the five and five, which covers the FBS games, five of them per week, and I'd spend five minutes or less talking about each of them. But this show, like I said, is going to jump around in topics, a little bit of different flavor. I'm going to give my full opinion on some things. Doesn't mean I don't give my opinion readily, but. This one is going to be just just a little more me A little bit more of Chris James or CJ So where I'm going to start in the show I'm going to start in FBS That's where things start before guys are able to go to the NFL They got to go to college No matter what level they play on Whether it's Division 2, NAIA, Division 3, FCS or FBS But I want to give my FBS top 10 And I'll give a quick overview of why I have these people ranked where I do So we're going to start off with number 10 I have the Miami Hurricanes reason I have Miami Hurricanes at number 10 I have watched the game I watched the play against App State and I was impressed they're they're finally doing the things they're supposed to do Miami's had talent for the last few years and Brad Kaya is a top quarterback prospect going to the 2017 draft but they haven't had the structure and Mark Rick brings a thing called structure so he's refining that talent and has the defense looking like a good defense by no means are they the best defense in the country, but they're playing good football, folks. And they are on pace to do some things this upcoming weekend against Florida State and get to the ACC championship in the, I believe it's the Coastal Division. Number nine team, the Wisconsin Badgers at 4-1. and one. Now, granted, they did lose a game and usually polls move you out. I'm not a proponent of that. If the number one and number two teams play each other and number two loses by one point, I'm apt to have them stay at number two because they just proved that the rankings were right. And this is similar with Wisconsin. Going into this game, I actually thought that they were about the 7th or 8th best team in the country against Michigan. And what they did is prove me right if Michigan is also as good as people think they are, including myself. They played good, sound football. They just didn't have the requisite talent to take that game over on offense. A young quarterback that if he had thrown better passes... I think they would have taken Michigan and had this victory, but they proved to be a hard out against anyone that they're playing against. Teams with more talent that are also well-coached can beat this team, but there's not many teams that are better coached than this Paul Chris coached team. Number eight, the Houston Cougars are 5-0. and oh. Houston is one of those teams that had a juggernaut win early in the season, opening weekend against Oklahoma. And then they put some points on the board left and right with Greg Ward Jr. And company doing what they do and ed oliver on defense that freshman is doing the job on the d line as well well we've seen that that oklahoma win while somewhat impressive especially for people trying to get them into the big 12 it wasn't nationally impressive after what ohio state did to them and just looking at the product oklahoma's put out there but houston's still a good team and they're still deserving to be in the top 10 and probably will be until they lose a game especially if they lose in a blowout fashion to louisville later in the season. My number seven team at five and zero is the Texas A&M Aggies. I expect Texas A&M to get a victory against Tennessee this week. I'll go into more detail on my five and five show. But in this one, just a quick overview, the thing Texas A&M has done over the last few years. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. The thing Texas A&M has done over the last few years is not followed through after big starts. Reason being, they didn't have the requisite parts on defense. To really hold up against the better teams that they faced. Well, Chief Chavis finally had some guys going with Deshaun Hand playing opposite of Miles Garrett. This is a hellacious defensive team, especially in the front seven. And on offense, they have the only quarterback that has never lost Alabama, but only has a win against Alabama, but has never lost Alabama. Only undefeated quarterback. And that's Trevor Knight. When he played at Oklahoma, they beat him in a bowl game. So he can, give Oklahoma, he can give Alabama problems. He can give Tennessee problems. He can give LSU problems. Texas AM is the real deal this year. Number six team is the Washington Huskies at 5-0. They did a much better job than I thought against Stanford. I actually thought it was going to be one of those games where Stanford dictated pace, but Washington's talent would win out. I think Washington is one of the best teams in the country that no one talks about, and I think they're one of those teams that's primed to win their conference and make it into the playoff. Uh, probably going 12 and 0 and then winning the conference championship they moved the ball all over the place and the place where i was really impressed was on defense that defensive line did their job they they had the nation's sack leader a few years ago with uh kakaha who's now with the saints and look what they've done now they're still getting pressure and still doing their thing my number five team five and zero, michigan wolverines One thing I can say about Michigan, they have the most versatile and probably best player in the country on their team, Jabril Preppers. They have one of the best corners. You didn't see that pick. Just go Google Michigan interception. It was ridiculous. But they're still stagnant on offense. I'm not as impressed with their offense as I could be with another team. They're still growing. And in all honesty, that's why they're not in my top four is because that offense is still pretty just... Run of the mill, mediocre. Uh, They'll continue to impress and continue to win, and I think that uh, that that Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be huge at season's end. Now, if today were the end of the season, these are my teams making it to the playoffs. My number four team, the Louisville Cardinals, at four and one. Lamar Jackson, if you all didn't know, is a problem. Just ask the Clemson defense. Ask the Clemson offense ask anyone watching the game, ask any coach in the country, that boy is a problem. And the Louisville team as a whole is a pretty solid squad. Clemson's a better team than Louisville. Period. But Lamar Jackson tips the scales to where it's pretty even if not a little bit towards Louisville, but they didn't get the W, so they're my number 4 team because they didn't get the W. My number 3 team is Clemson, the Tigers at 5 and 0. They did get the W. They do have the national championship runner-up team with a returning quarterback, returning uh, running back, returning receivers, even got better in the receiving core, and the coach didn't leave. There was no situation like that. This team is primed to be a Final Four team. I thought they were going to have a hangover, and more than anything, I just thought the way the season would play out, as I had the ACC having... When I initially looked at it, I had Florida State losing to Louisville, Louisville losing to Clemson, Clemson losing to Florida State. Figured Florida State would end up going to the Final Four, but uh, we've seen what Florida State has to offer. So, good job, Clemson, doing the job. Number two team, from what I've seen so far this year, Alabama Crimson Tide at 5-0. and They've done their job. And in a lot of respects, I'm not a big proponent of moving the national champion out of the seat until they lose they should be number one till they lose the reason that I move them out right now is because from what I've seen not trying to discredit last year I believe that if you win a national championship and you keep winning there is no way that you should be taken out of the opportunity to win the national championship the following year but so far this year they have looked incomplete they don't look like the same dominant Bama team. last year was an extremely dominant defensive front seven this one is faster but it's not as dominant and also with the true freshman quarterback he's done good things and bad things so we'll just kind of see my number one team is the ohio state buckeyes look at four and 0 they've beaten the teams they're supposed to be but they haven't just won they bludgeoned them the ruckers of the world they bludgeon them and then teams that have the talent to at least hang with them i thought oklahoma would win simply because in norman making big things happen, running the ball down their throat. Ohio State had none of that. They were having none of it. They have playmakers everywhere, and they have the second-best coach in the country. Arguably the best, but I I'm, I still think Saban's the best coach in the country uh, with Urban Meyer as a close second. So those are my top ten teams for the FBS. Uh, like I said, I'll go more into depth in those individual matchups that are going to happen this week on my 5 and 5 show, check that out as well folks. I give some good knowledge about the game, the analysis in between the lines. The final score might not be right, but I never predict on purpose. I never predict turnovers. What I do predict is the opportunity for a team to make mistakes. If they're mistake prone, I'll mention it, but I only predict based on a clean game and the analysis that's there. And then I'll tell you whether or not, you know, for your recreational purposes, if they're going to cover. That's the one I stick to more than the over-under is that cover. So anyway, I mentioned a big game from last week, and that um, Lamar Jackson effect is real. They did lose 42-36, to 36, but that game was a game that could have been turned on its head. It was, I think, 28-10 to, to, to 10 at that point, and all of a sudden, there's an interception. Pass thrown behind the receiver a little bit, and it was picked off, and and Louisville got the ball back, and then the ball started rolling towards Louisville. A lot of Clemson fans got scared. And with right to say it, I'll say right now, if for some reason Louisville makes it into the Final Four, they're winning the national championship. Even if it was the matchups I just said, where Louisville would play Ohio State in the in the uh, first round and Alabama play Clemson, I would have Louisville and Alabama winning with Alabama losing in the national championship game to Louisville. That's how effective I think Lamar Jackson is And he has parts around him. Remember, Michael Vick and that Virginia Tech team, people forget. They were up 29-28. They just had an issue with injuries where their two starting running backs went out. They were down to the number three running back, and they couldn't sustain what they were doing. But they were rolling Florida State. Florida State was getting gassed. Bobby Bowden, if you look at the game, said, how do you uh, effectively stop Michael Vick? Hope he doesn't come out of the locker room. Because they couldn't. Same thing here with Lamar Jackson. You can't effectively stop him. You can only try to contain him or hope that he stops himself. But I did have a problem with what happened in this game, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm tired of Dabble Sweeney and other coaches in this country calling these run plays, these designed run plays for quarterbacks that can actually throw the ball. If you don't give a crap about Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson, then it's evident because if you keep running this young man it's not like you're doing read options where he has the opportunity to be a quarterback or you're doing design pass plays and he takes off and runs because of his ability you're doing design runs here's the thing about being a quarterback people think it's about passing the ball that's an element the quarterback position much like the point guard position in basketball is a decision making position period (laughs) You need to make decisions. And to give them the opportunity to make decisions, decision, there has to be some sort of mesh point, some sort of crux. When there's passes, you give them the opportunity to make decisions as to who you're going to pass to. When there's a read and a read option, you give them the opportunity to read the defense and make a decision. When you do these design runs and slam dance these young men into to people and ruin their shoulders and get them all banged up, you, you clearly care about that check you're making, Dabo, and the rest of the coaches who do this Instead of that young man's future You don't give a crap about them, and that's my opinion Period You can tell me I'm wrong, but guess what? I'm sure you'll keep feeding your wallet And I'm sure you'll keep running those design runs and ruin a guy, much like you did to Taj Boyd. And speaking about selfishness in college football I'm going to jump off the coaches and I'm going to go to the players Because it doesn't just go one way this weekend was another selfish weekend In college football If we remember weeks one, two, three, whatever There was a rash of players Dropping the ball at the one yard line Because it's just that easy That's the whole thing You want to make it look like it's that easy I'm going on record and say Some of those just that easy moments Like Joe Mixon Your team got stumped It was just that easy How about you try I don't know Doing better, being better, winning the game Getting the dog on end zone, stop being selfish. It's not that easy. And that's the worst, like that's the stupidest sellout I've ever seen. Let me chance it by dropping at the one yard line, though I've already been warned that this is a possibility that I might not have made it in the end zone. You seem stupid when you do that. That's from the mouth of Chris James or CJ. You seem stupid. It's a stupid celebration. But this weekend, I didn't see people drop the ball at the one-yard line. Here's the things I saw, and I saw it in the Tennessee-Georgia game in virtually back-to-back plays. There was a couple of plays in between, namely an extra point and then a kickoff, but I saw selfishness. Actually, this selfishness happened all on the same play. I saw a Georgia receiver running down the sideline Clearly, Georgia has to score a touchdown, and a Tennessee guy quit on the play. He's like, oh, he won't throw the ball. Oh, he threw the ball 70 yards. Touchdown caught. What does the receiver do? Scores a touchdown, loses his mind, takes off his helmet. Everyone's been told. Get to the sideline and then do that celebration. Just run off the – give the referee the ball and run directly off the field. Make your teammates chase you because what happens? 15-yard penalty. You can say, oh, it's no fun. You're warned about it. Don't be selfish. You say it's out of excitement. Okay. Be excited on the sideline. Literally, I've been excited too. You know what you do? Catch that ball, hand it to the ref or drop it, and then run straight to the sideline. Like Literally, run to the sideline. Run wherever it is safe and then celebrate because that 15 yards ended up getting close enough for the Hail Mary and you lost. Now, see, I'm a little less angry about that than I am about dropping the ball at the one yard line. Because As an 18, 19, or 20 year old Making A big play like that You think you just won Emotion could get to you See that's not a planned thing If emotion gets to you It's more understandable More forgivable Some of these guys I mean they just This one yard line dropping the ball That's planned in your head Why? Because it's just that easy at least the Georgia guy, it was pure emotion that got to him. So I'll give him a bit of a pass, but it was still a selfish act. So we're going to move on to the big boys. Remember, if you ever want to hit me up on Twitter, you want to talk things out, you want to have a conversation, you want to give me some topics, you want me to answer any questions, or you want to engage me in, in any sort of debate, I'm fine with it. My Twitter handles C J CJFlorida9. at C J. The state, Florida, the number nine. But moving on to the big boys, I'm going to give you my top five. And then at some point, I'm going to give you my bottom five. So my top five teams in the NFL, number five, the Seattle Seahawks. At some point, you're going to realize that it's not a flash in the pan. It's not something that, oh, he just had a good running game and this and that in the defense. It's a great team, and it's an exceptional quarterback. With a sprained MCL and sprained ankle, Russell Wilson slung that thing. Showed you what he was. That defense played their butts off, even though, statistically, they weren't supposed to. Teams coming from the West Coast playing at 1 p.m. East Coast game, they don't do anything, do they? They went, what, like 38% of the game, something like that, 34%? That's atrocious. Seattle said, man, bump that. We are here. And they did their thing. So they're number five. Only going to get better with this bye week to mend number four the new england patriots listen there's a lot of people who want to give too much credit to the patriots on the basis that they don't have tom brady gronk's not there this that or the other well let's look at that they don't have tom brady but they got exceptional quarterback play the first two weeks then they got decent quarterback play the week three and then they got atrocious quarterback play week four guess what happened exceptional quarterback play which tom brady brings blowouts well a blowout in one game And in another game, a close one. Then in game three, another blowout. But it's because Brock Osweiler is horrific. We'll get to that later. And then in week four, when you get terrible quarterback play, you got a terrible result. So what's going to happen? The Patriots are still going to have the same issues. Gronk is still going to be chronically hurt because it's a hamstring issue. You're still going to have the same issues on defense. Still going to have the same issues at receiver. And no, they're not issues where it's like, oh, it's a detriment. No, you're just one of the best teams in the the NFL. You're just not the best team in the NFL. Period. Number three team, the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings of the NFC are pretty much the Denver Broncos of the AFC. Maybe I need to flip that. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. The Minnesota Vikings just play D. And then they play mistake-free ball on O. Score enough points. They get to 20, you're probably going to lose. Because you're not getting to 20. Period. That's that's what they do. Zimmer said, you're not getting to 20. So if I get to 20, that's KO. You might as well just take that. Number two team, Pittsburgh Steelers. They put on a field day. Le'Veon Bell back is a problem. Enough said. And number one team, the Denver Broncos. It's not just because this whole they won the Super Bowl and I don't remove teams from number one. I've looked at the way they played. They're doing the the, the the quarterback of that team or the leader is Von Miller, and he's got his unit set. And Trevor Simeon, you can tell that they're well coached, much like the Patriots, not to the same, same level, but well coached. Because Trevor Simeon looked like a good NFL quarterback. And when Paxton Lynch came in, a guy who looks scared against Auburn and his In his bowl game, he looked under, he looked calm, collected. When guys are well coached who are young and have talent, they do well. It's when these guys are unorganized, not well coached, that's why you see problems. And by the way, if you see two of the top three teams and three of the top five teams have some of the best defenses, is defense the new niche thing in the NFL? Remember, the NFL made this whole approach to change every rule to make every wide receiver and quarterback comfortable in the world. And you know what happens? Nature. Things ebb and flow. If you have something that you force, it will eventually balance out. So you force these receivers to not be better because everything's easy for them. You force these quarterbacks to be mediocre because everything's easy for them. But the defenses had to get much better. And you have good defenses who are attacking mediocre quarterbacks with mediocre route running receivers and trash offensive tackles. And they're getting there and they're disrupting it. So your rules, no matter how much you want to make them offense centric, don't work for these really good defenses. I think it's interesting. That being said, what's wrong with the NFC Championship participants? Both are 1-3, but it's atrocious looking. Like, it's it's really, it's real deal terrible. Carolina and Arizona are supposed to have great defenses, but they don't look that great right now. Especially Julio's still running for, for, for touchdowns. And 300 yards receiving. And then you look at the offenses and both quarterbacks. One, we already knew he was tragic in Carson Palmer. Been saying it for a while, and I'll cover that in a second as I fly through something. But the other portion is cam newton i defended him week one because they were shooting at his head but maybe he had a concussion and didn't understand how life works because cam newton has looked like trash this year period there's nothing else i can say about it and y'all know i'm a cam newton fan but he's like trash and what he did i'm glad deon jones hit him in the face you know why because you are losing you were a loser at that point and you want to be selfish make it easy or just stroll in. Get your stupid ass in the end zone. Get the doggone two point conversion. And then come back and be a champion. But nah, Cam had to, he had to dab in that joke. I'm tired of that. Get your stupid ass in the end zone. And score the doggone two point conversion. And don't get hit in the head. Deion Jones, the LSU boy, keep doing work. Keep pounding. I'm going to use the Carolina. Keep pounding. Keep doing your thing, boy. But anyway. Two, one, and three teams. Let's discuss the bottom five teams in the NFL. I'm going to start with number 28, the San Diego Chargers. The San Diego Chargers are the most interesting team in the NFL because they really should be three and one right now, but they're one and three because they've found innovative ways to lose. And if you want to be really honest, really honest, they should be four and oh. But they find interesting ways to lose. They found a way to lose to Indy. But at least that was just a big play. Bad coverage. Found a way to lose to a team they were dominating Kansas City. But okay, it's week one. How the heck do you lose to my New Orleans Saints? You just get... I don't even understand how Travis Benjamin fumbled. It's like he's just like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to lay this down. But anyway that's why they're atrocious they should be 3-1 and or 4-0 and even but they find interesting ways to lose number 29 Chicago Bears I'm gonna tell you this Brian Horia makes the Bears better than Jay Cutler because they don't have any faith in Jay Cutler and they were actually my worst team in the NFL until Jay Cutler got hurt now they're still middling towards the worst you know near the bottom five or in the bottom five now but Jay Cutler makes them bad They need regime change, whatever that means. My number 30 team is Cleveland Browns, and they're going to trend up every game I see those men work hard for Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson's a damn good coach. They're doing the right things, and those guys are playing. They gave away a game to the Baltimore Ravens. They Browns their way out of a win against the Miami Dolphins, and they just don't have the talent to hang with other teams. Philadelphia's a good team and blew them out, and Washington – if not for a bad call, they could have been right in that game. I still don't know how you recover the ball, but they say, nah, we didn't see you recover the ball, so no, here's the Redskins' ball, because you're the Browns. That's basically what they said. Number 31 team, the team that beat them this year for their only one, the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are trash. They're high-paid, high-talented trash, and it starts at the head of the snake. Ryan Tannehill, people, get it through your head. I've been saying it since he was drafted. You were impressed his year one? Guess what? He is not good. He is not good. Stop thinking he's good. He's not good. Period. And the 32nd best team in NFL or otherwise known as the worst, the San Francisco 49ers. Because Chip Kelly is stubborn. He's a very intelligent coach. But he's too stubborn. And He's going to ride this thing out with Blaine Gabbert. And I think he's i think he's doing the smartest stupid thing ever. He's riding this thing out with Blaine Gabbert because he wants to lose a few more games because he knows they can't win enough games to win a division. Now, that's a conspiracy theory, but I don't think that they lose to the Cowboys if they had Colin Kaepernick. And it's not anything about Colin Kaepernick being great. Blaine Gabbert just decided to not throw the ball. at Torrey Smith might have just fought that man in the locker room except for the fact that apparently Lane is a really nice guy, and I'm not joking. He's apparently really the opposite of Ryan Tannehill. He's apparently really a nice guy, but he can't play quarterback. So, speaking of quarterbacks, I want to jump into this topic real quick and get it over with. I'm going to talk about these three quarterbacks and what's wrong with all three. Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, and Jameis Winston. All are number one overall picks. All are franchise quarterbacks. What's wrong with all three? I'll tell you what's wrong with all three. All three aren't being quarterbacks. Whether it's by structure, design, or whatnot, they're not doing the things they're supposed to do. Take the easy play. Take the check down on first down. Get four yards. Take the easy run and then get down. Don't take a hit. Take these things. I watched all four this past week do stupid things that they shouldn't have done that Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, if he could run, Drew Brees, none of these guys would do. Cam Newton on a two-point conversion, being selfish, being silly. Andrew Luck, fourth and one. You've had five drops already today, two by the guy you threw it to. You could have just run and get that one yard, and I think he was trying too hard to be a quarterback because he's heard so many things and then james winston why would you ever ask a man to lateral a freaking ball in an nfl game in the middle of the field while guys are tackling him like like you can actually no i'm just gonna pass it no it's a it's a run play you you realize you're gonna get killed right so all these guys are trying too hard to be big time quarterbacks and put it on their shoulders instead of just Take what the defense gives you sometimes. You can can do that. The best do it. And piggybacking off of that, I'm going to go through the quarterbacks. I'm going to rank them real quick. Now, I have a couple of tiers that go along with this. I have what I consider elite. I have what I consider worthy of franchise money. I have what I consider serviceable. And then I have what I consider subpar below standard. So there's four categories. Now with this elite category, there's going to be grades as well. So if I have an A grade on you, A, A minus, that means that I think that you are consistently elite top tier. If you have a B grade on you, B plus to B, that means that at some point you probably can be elite as well and do some things on a consistent basis, like a three, four, five week span. If I have you with a B minus to a C plus grade, that means that I think you are good enough for a team to really be carried by you. If I have a C grade for you, you're worthy of being an NFL starter, but it's not someone who you lean on. And anything under that C minus or less, I don't think that you're really that good, especially if you have a D or worse. So, my top quarterbacks. These are the guys that I consider to be elite whether it's consistent over their career or for spans of time or could work towards it. Whatever the situation. Aaron Rodgers gets an A. He's straight up elite. Tom Brady gets an A. Straight up elite. Ben Roethlisberger gets an A-. The man does his thing. Russell Wilson gets a B+. Pretty consistent and he's trending upwards, folks. Drew Brees gets a B+. Drew Brees has been the reason the Saints have been relevant for the last three years, period. Cam Newton gets a B. Still have issues with his decision-making and his lower body mechanics. If he cleans both up, he could be the best quarterback in the NFL, period. And Andrew Luck gets a B. Andrew Luck tries to do too much, takes too much on his shoulders, and his front office of his organization is trash. So those are my guys that I put in that tier one, that elite to teetering on elite group. Here's the second tier, the guys who I think are worth the money to pay. Matt Ryan with a B minus. I think Matt Ryan has not pushed through, but I think Matt Ryan is a good quarterback that can win games for a team.